I wonder if you realize how special you are and how beautiful you are. And uh, it's just an honor to be here. Um, and just to say we're all on a journey. And I just want to share something with you that I've not shared many times before because I can only share what is being revealed to me. And I'd like to, uh, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how we journey through life and come to realize, like Brandt said yesterday, it can become an adventure. Uh, I like that. As some of you know, I like to learn from people of the past as well as people of today. And there was a man called Brendan who was an Irish saint and known as the navigator, the voyager. And one day he went on a journey. And Brendan and his crew left where they were, and they were very encouraged by the words spoken to them. May the God of our salvation grant you a safe journey. After traveling 40 days, they were enveloped in a great darkness that was so thick they could hardly see one another. And they came to understand that those who fear the darkness, the darkness that had enveloped them, that was so thick they could hardly see each other. And they came to realize that those who fear the darkness will never be able to venture far or come into the fullness of light because the darkness is like a cloud that hides the glory of God. And it's a pity that so many of us can be put off by the cloud because it's often close to the glory. There's a guy called David Adam. He's a was was a pastor on a church in Holy Island in England. And he said in a book, Desert in the Ocean, listen to this. It is our journey through the world, even its darkness, that prepares us for the wonders and delights of the world to come. And for me on this journey, I'm coming to understand and realize that we are not trying to make God come. We are seeking to have our heart open to have a vision of who he really is. And then when that begins to happen, we find he is already here. Remember the Christmas story of the awareness of the shepherds on the hills at Bethlehem, and they were keeping watch at night and when the angels came. But I believe there was a greater understanding that came to them, and that was that the light had never been far away. God, as our Father, is in this world and wants to reveal himself to us in times of darkness. And I wonder if sometimes we feel we've lost the ability to see. And I think it's very, very important for us to understand that God lives in us. But we also need to come to realize that in him we live and move and have our being. It says that in the book of Acts. And I keep saying this, but when I keep saying it even to myself, it's like something in here opens up and I can begin to breathe. You see, it says in Colossians, 
He is before all things, and in him all, all things hold together, even creation itself. And I'm also coming to understand that creation itself was the means of communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything speaks of a presence vibrating with love. You know, the four authors of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are known as the evangelists. And I didn't realize until quite recently that there is a simple symbol that represents each one. The angel for Matthew, the lion for Mark, the ox for Luke, an eagle for John. John's gospel, the symbol of John's gospel is an eagle. And the eagle is believed, like I said yesterday, to fly higher than any other bird and is able to see further. The eagle's vision was able to look deeper and see beyond others and see what for others was invisible. I'm also coming to understand, even during this lockdown, the awareness of God himself and our awareness of him is seen through the eyes of our heart. As you probably know, but I'd like to say it again. In the Bible, there are over 96 references to the heart, and this refers to the very core of our being. The deeper discovery I am finding than our love for God is his love for us. And as we journey on in this love, we find we are in the very heart of God himself. You know, the Bible says that nothing... Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. And it is this that allows us to venture on dangerous and troubled seas. You see, when God is in our boat, there is nothing to fear. Remember the story of Jesus in the boat asleep, even though a storm was raging? You know, when we come to living in the knowledge and understanding of God's love, we are not afraid to go anywhere. We can get lost at sea, but we can know deep in our heart that we are not lost eternally. You see, our heart is what makes us who we are. It is the very core of our being. St. Augustine said, Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You see, our relationship with God is an affair of the heart, of the very center of our being. And I believe we need to be awakened to the reality that I keep saying again and again, that we are in him. And our hearts need to rest in him if we are to find peace. Now, I sometimes think that within us there is a kind of desert. And no matter what we try and put into this desert place, we can still suffer from feeling dry. And we have a longing to quench our thirst. This desert and emptiness within us is it's creative, and it's a kind of place of transition which needs to be crossed if we are to cross over to the other side. 
You know, before the promised land spoken of in the Bible could be reached, there were deserts to cross. So interesting to find that Jacob had a dream of God's presence when he was in the desert. Moses, tending the sheep in the wilderness, found that the ground was holy when he saw the burning bush. You know, the journey journey from slavery to, to freedom often involves crossing the desert. I can't believe when I found this word desert how much it's opened up inside of me. You know, in the New Testament, the wise men crossed the desert to find Jesus. John the Baptist chose the desert at the beginning of his ministry. Mark's gospel tells us of Jesus that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness for 40 days. It was the Spirit who led Jesus into the desert. So the desert can be a positive place because there can be space for us to face what's going on inside of us. And I've discovered that life can even blossom, even in the desert. David Adam from Holy Island says this, If we are willing to enter the desert, in a strange way the desert enters us. Because I'm becoming aware, especially in this season that we're all living in, that dryness is entering into the hearts and souls of even civilized people, even today. If we don't allow ourselves to be emptied, it's often because we are already afraid of the growing emptiness within. Those who willingly enter the desert might discover, like Moses did, that God is truly present, that the very ground of the desert is holy ground. See, I'm also discovering that this love that we talk about, that the love of God is unconditional, but it does call for a response from us. And as he gives himself fully to us, it calls for us to respond with our whole being as much as we are able. We are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. But we live in an age where we do not have an assuredness or an awareness of his presence. Often modern people have been likened to an orphan in a lost world, which is one of the major teaching, as you probably know, in Father Heart Ministries. People often feel alone in a hostile environment and have very little guidance on the way to go forward. You know, just making this really personal, when I went on my first day school, of all the nine core subjects that were spoken, it was the orphan spirit that affected me most. Now, the orphan spirit is not something you can cast out. The only thing that takes away our feeling of orphanness is a revelation of love. It seems like in this century that so many have lost their relationship with God as a father. I believe it's so important in this day and hour not to lose the reality of the fatherhood of God. May it not be lost in the confusion in our present world. Jesus talked of a situation in his story of the prodigal son that Richard spoke about earlier. 
It was not that the father would not give to his son. It was not that the father moved away. It was the son who was not at home in the present moment. The son wanted to make himself the center of his world. And he had come of an age and he thought, I don't need a father. I wonder if we need also to realize that when this relationship is broken between us and our Heavenly Father, all other relationships break down as well. I never realized that until recently. When we don't have an intimate relationship with God as a Father, all other relationships can break down as well. The prodigal son learned that you cannot buy love. It must be freely given. And I'm also coming to realize that it's no use in possessing things if you are an empty on the inside. When the son returns home, all he truly wants is a relationship with his father. A relationship, think of this with with us and our relationship with God. A relationship with God as a father is not gained by duty or worked for. It is of the heart. You know what I'm discovering? Vision is experienced as a homecoming. Fatherhood is about his availability to us. Fatherhood tells us that God is not a God without feelings. He is not a God who made this world and then left it. He is at home in it and he cares for it. God loves the world, this world that we're living in. In fact, he loves the world so much that he gave himself for it, as it says in John's Gospel. And it's not just for us as human beings, but his love is for the whole world. Romans 8 says, the whole world waits in groaning for his redeeming love. I'm also coming to understand that this whole world belongs to God. It is, as I would say, this is my father's world. You know, I'm coming to have a homecoming because this is my father's world and I belong. And as this, I believe, opens us up to a world of discovery, we really are part of something far greater than we can ever imagine. Do you know who we are? We are sons of Almighty God. Not talking about gender, but that's who we are. And I think that all these things that we talk about in an A school, a B school, or centrality of the heart or anything is to do with us. I believe this is a prophetic time in world history where God is revealing himself as a father. And I believe there's a shaking going on in many of us to come to realize who we really, really are. And then you can walk through the world with your head lifted up and feel the wind on your face and it's like he's kissing you. I really mean it. We really are part of something far greater than we can ever imagine. And as we become aware of this, we find that all things work together for good. There is no division in God himself. There's an underlying unity. And 
I, I love Francis of Assisi, I really do. Especially as he talks of Brother Sun and Sister Moon. He feels so part and in tune with what is around him. He feels very part of the beauty all around him. I wonder if we really feel aware of the beauty of the person sitting next to us. I just feel him singing over every one of us. Beautiful boy, beautiful girl. He really, really loves you. This isn't just a concept or an idea or a statement of fact. This is who he is. He is love itself. I love that what is beginning to happen for many of us, that we are being connected to our relatedness in all things. You see, if we lose our love for creation, we seem to lose our love for the one who created all things. Do you know before, you know this, but just to remind you, before he created mankind, he made creation. He created us a world to live in. And I'm wondering that if we lose our love for creation, we seem to lose for the one who created all things. I believe in this day and hour and even in this minute that the Father wants to make us feel ourselves at home in this world because it's his world that we are living in in the present moment. And uh, I like pondering things, as you probably know. And I read something recently that had me laughing. In Isaiah 46, 4, it says this, Even into your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. So being the oldest here at this gathering, I needed to hear this. But just to let you know, I think I've told you before, this outward body is the oldest here, but in, inwardly I think I'm the youngest. Because I'd like you to ponder this before this, these meetings end. How old are you on the inside? And I've decided I'm nine, like I've said. If I was younger, I'd be childish. If I was a bit older, I'd be a teenager and emotionally they're all over. <laughs> and because I love them. Just to let you know a little bit about that, I used to work with a lot of young people. Um, I really love them. And as they're growing up now, I get to do their weddings. And nine-year-olds doing weddings. <laughs> How old are you? I like what James Jordan says. He says we'll always be children because there is no age to God himself. So even though the body might grow a bit older, we're just children. And he's drawing us more and more into a childlikeness. Do you know what I feel I'm saying over you right now? Beautiful boy.
Beautiful, beautiful boy. I am so glad I'm living in this day and hour. In fact, I'm glad I'm living in this very present moment. I think there's a, a, a shaking going on, and many of us can find ourselves on this journey through life uh, where we sort of let go of things, and before we move into the new beginning, we go through what we call the neutral zone. And in this neutral zone, we say, who am I? What have I got to offer this world? But please never run away from the neutral zone, because as you journey through the neutral zone, you find out who you really are. See, the way of transition isn't easy. Sometimes the way of life isn't easy. But all I would say is don't run away from him. Because he's bringing us into a wide open space where we can breed again. Where we can breathe again, not breed again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Well, maybe I need to ponder that word more. (laughs) Do you think it's a prophetic word? (laughs) Or is it a pathetic word? (laughs) Oh dear. See, I told you I'm just nine. (laughs) But back to what I'm really here to talk about is (laughs) the Bible talks um, about the kingdom of heaven is like a man looking for fine pearls. And when he finds one, he sells all that he has to buy the peril. But there really is a danger in the time where we are living in, where we're encouraged to chase after too many things. By seeking to possess things, we can be often possessed by them. By accepting attraction after attraction, it's like our appetite is never satisfied. I never realized until recently that having a need to possess lots of things is often a sign of poverty within. We can be surrounded by worldly things and still feel poor and unsatisfied within. You see, we seem in this day and hour to measure people by their success or what they've gained or by the position they hold. But we need to see again with fresh eyes that Jesus came, yes, as the Son of God, but he was also a carpenter's son. He was born in a stable. You know the story of the Pearl of Great Price that I mentioned a moment ago, where we read in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, And when he found one peril of great price, he sold everything he had and bought it. This understanding opens us up to the reality of what's going on around us, all around us, all the time, the very presence of God himself. The peril that we truly are seeking for, and that's why you're here, that's why I'm here, is for the presence that will never leave us nor forsake us. The idea that God and Christ are to be encountered primarily in the darkness is found in the writings of many of the Greek fathers. 
Someone said this, that the darkest hour is just before the dawn. In the book of Job, which is one of the books I'm going to study over the next year, I really want to. Oh, It's all right, you're forgiven. (laughs) In the book of Job, we find he reveals the deep things of darkness and brings utter darkness into the light. Anybody heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Um, A German that was hung by the Nazis. Um, He had this prophetic word given not long before he was hung because of his faith, and he said this, What will Christ mean in the future? We need a new form of Christianity when the time of this world has come of age. Only one purpose for religion in this modern world, when people must share each other's sufferings and the suffering of God in this godless world. We need more than religion in the former sense. We need a faith on Jesus Christ at the center. Real Christianity means sharing each other's pain. It is not for us to prophesy when men will once more ask God, when will the world be changed and renewed? But when that day arrives, there will be a new language, a non-religious language, but it will be liberating and redeeming as Jesus' language. It will shock people. It will shock them by its power. It will be a new truth proclaiming God's peace with man. You know, one of my um, struggles in life was loneliness. Um, I always felt lonely in a vast crowd of people. I struggled with it to a really great degree. And I I read this recently. In a vast universe which often seems sinister and unaware of us, what I believe is the orphan way of thinking, we need the presence and shelter of love to transfigure our loneliness. This cosmic loneliness is the root of all inner loneliness. And loneliness is where our heart is disconnected, I would say, from the source of all life. Just a little bit to let you know who I am. Some of you I know, some of you I don't. My real struggle was loneliness. And um, I remember... Um, in 1994 in the incredible move of the Holy Spirit in Toronto. Great, but I felt lonely. Nobody sees me in the vast crowds of people on the earth. And um, it occurred to me again and again. And in the year 2000, I, um, I've always had a longing that God would say my name. So that's why I love, we've all got, a, my mind's upside down, we've all got a badge that says our name. But I've wanted God to say my name. So I'd go about singing this, say my name, say my name. Would you say my name? Because I felt so lost in this world. And working with a lot of young people, I, um, two of the boys in our group said to his mum, there's a, an award that goes on in the United Kingdom um, for somebody who works with children. 
we'd like to nominate Helene for the Childline Award. So I was one of four finalists. And I went to, I was flown to London, and there at the front table was the Duchess of Kent, part of the royal family, and Esther Ranson, who is a, um, a TV personality. And they called the fourth person. Then they called the third, and then they called the second, and I knew I'd won it because my name had not been called. And Esther Ranson, it puts on her um, her um, white sash and says, the winner of this year's Childline Award is Helene King. And when I got up to receive it, God spoke to me and he says, Helene, you wanted me to say your name. I'm saying it publicly. <laughs> so when I went up, I was so overcome that I actually kissed the Duchess of Kent instead of curtsying. <laughs> And later on, having a meal um, after the meetings, um, Esther Ranson says to me, she says, Helene, what are you going to do with a good Jewish girl like me? I didn't know she was Jewish. So she, when she said, what are you going to do with a good Jewish girl like me? And I says, we owe a great deal of debt to Jewish people. And she looked amazed. But the reason I'm saying that is, even although I won that award and I knew God knew my name, I still struggled with loneliness. And loneliness is where nobody knows who you are. And it, it reached a peak when I retired and went to Cyprus for a sabbatical. And it was so bad that one night I thought I was going to go mad. I thought, I can't do this. I'm going to leave the island. And a little voice said to me, Helene, you've run from this all your life. Sit with it. So I did. And I'll never forget being out late at night, and I saw the stars like nothing I've ever seen before. It was like the sky was black velvet, and the stars were so bright. And I still don't know if that came down upon me or if I was lifted up amongst it. But all I know is I'm saying this for a reason. Loneliness disappeared. I'm not lonely anymore. You see, we need the presence and shelter of love to transfigure our loneliness. Because the cosmic loneliness is the root of all inner loneliness. And loneliness is where our heart is disconnected, I would say, from the source of all life. We cannot fill up our emptiness with objects, possessions, or even people. We have to go deeper into that emptiness. And then we find that beneath the nothingness, the flame of love waiting to warm us. When we allow the Father, who happens to be Almighty God, inside your life, you leave yourself open and your heart becomes alive, alive to the source of all life, the Father himself. You see, the source of all life is the Father. And when that begins to happen, then everything becomes real. And this love is neither sentimental nor naive. Such love is the greatest foundation of truth, celebration, and reality. 
There was a, a, a Scottish poet, Kathleen Rain, born in 1908, and she said this, unless you see a thing in the light of love, you don't see it at all. I would say, unless we see one another through the eyes and the light of love, we're not really seeing people at all. You see, love is the light in which we see light. Love is the light in which we see each other and each thing in its true origin, nature, and destiny. You see, if we could begin to look at the world in a loving way, then the world would rise up before us full of invitation, possibility, and depth. The heart of love can even coax pain, hurt, and violence to move towards transfiguration and renewal. He is wanting to transfigure us today. You see, the loving eye is bright because it flows from a heart of love, because it is free. You see, our eyes are the window of our soul. I read somewhere just recently that I'd like to read. Light looked and saw darkness. I will go there, said light. Peace looked down and saw war. I will go there, said peace. Love looked down and saw hatred. I will go there, said love. So he, the Lord of light, the power of peace, the king of love, came down and crept among us. You are beautiful people. And my prayer is that we'd leave this place with our heads lifted up and feel the wind and breeze of the Spirit blow upon us. And I'd like just to finish with a prayer that I read somewhere. And I'd just like us to close our eyes. Before I read this prayer, perhaps you would like to just be still. Don't think of the past. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just live in this moment. Be still and know that I am good. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know Be still. Just be. Just be. Father, at the beginning of creation, you calmed the chaos of the world. Be present now to those of us whose lives are suddenly filled with chaos. Grant us grace 
the grace of calm in the midst of confusion. Father, you have always shown us the way from darkness into the light. For those here may be struggling now to see the light, we ask that you would shine a bit brighter in our world. Grant us all the grace to see a way forward through the present darkness. You are also a God of wonders. We've often struggled to imagine the breadth and depth of what is possible with you at our side. But we ask that you would increase our faith in you, that we can begin to gasp with awe and wonder. In Jesus' name. Father, your spirit is with us. But we ask for a a deeper awakening to your divine presence. Father, when people in Toronto, with the move of the spirit, cried out, let your glory come. And the word glory means weight or heaviness. We ask, Father, Let your glory come. Let your glory come down upon us. Let your light shine, even in the darkness that we might be struggling with, or the darkness in our present world. But you want us all to leave this place with a light spirit and have an excitement and an expectancy and an awareness that you are our Father. Father, may we take time to see the beauty in this world, to smell the the flowers, to see the leaves on the trees blowing in the wind. Help us live in the present moment. So we bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.